two signs right there. Well, when you're, well, I've always been brought up with the notion that if your wife and Mel Gibson both tell you <laughs> to do something, <laughs> you know, you probably you better should, listen. You yeah. better listen. <laughs> anyway, we went out there, worked with a group called Aerial Recovery. I'm on their board, amazing group. 6,000 women and children got out. So the suffering that we saw, and by the way, I won't get into this, except we found a pedophile group that was trafficking children out of Ukraine into Mexico, into Ecuador, crazy case. Tony Robbins produced a docuseries about it. He's going to be a producer as well, but that's a different story. But my point is, stop de-escalating this thing. The pain that we're seeing, the suffering that we're seeing on the ground, the part that no one remembers. Traffickers call this harvest time. A war, a hurricane, an earthquake, in the aftermath, harvest time. When they find out where you are, they will kill you. I understand he's beyond prosecution. You're being followed. I understand. His name is Skiddo. Okay. He goes by the wizard. Okay. I can. I. I. I know. It's just going to be chaos. No matter what we do, what we say, the matter's going to be chaos. It doesn't matter. It's going to be chaos. You see, nobody. Nobody seems to know where the bodies are buried. Okay. Thank you, dude. Skippy. You remember Skippy? What's my name? Say his name was Skippy. You remember Pizzagate? Say his name was Skippy. He said he was your father. track my secret life is a, as a uh, psychedelic unhinged fucked up DJ wouldn't you like to hear that live that was a live performance this right here
Yes, everything that's being said here is true today. That's why I'm playing it. That, that, this I did a few years ago. But everything that's being said is, you know, they want to fire on Trump supporters, right? Yeah, they want a bloodbath. They, they want a bloodbath. They even want their own bloodbath. Okay, that that just goes on. It just basically uh, blathers out the prophetic uh, with with 100% accuracy from years out before it happened, and uh, it's buried in a uh, in a uh, completely freeform DJ track that's meant to uh, that's not meant to cause dancing, but meant to cause mesmerization and and staring into the darkness where you can just imagine these horrible, awful fucking people, you know, marching around, stealing everything, breaking everything, burning everything, getting pregnant to rip out their own fetuses. I mean, this is, uh, this is pure hell. This is pure hell like you've never seen before. But look. Look at all you complacent people walking around like like this is normal. <gasps> like you're going to keep coping, going you know, go get some you got to survive, you're going to have to you know, overlook it, step over and soon you'll be stepping over little entities, little hybrids, little dragons and you know, half you know, you know, snakes with human heads and things like that. And you're going to have to step over them to go to work. And then still you're going to go to work because you've got to survive. And you're going to eat stuff with, with horrible bugs crushed up in it and, you know, uh, you know, malnutrition on purpose and, and food poisoning everywhere you look. And then you're going to have to eat it anyway. And then they still want to see how far you're going to go. How far are you going to keep going? Are you going to keep going? Are you going to stop and say, this is really, really horrible? This is a true horror. I'm on my knees. Just kill me, please, Lord. You know? Well, I almost got that wish. I can tell you this. Dying isn't necessarily pain and then dying. Dying, you know, the, the, the neat thing about dying is you can go sideways and not even know you slipped away. Aha! Ha! Those of you who have been there know what I'm saying, right? I've had uh, two really significant near-death experiences. One just last week. And um, the other one, I was 18 or 17 or 18. And um, I can tell you that uh, when I was 17 or 18, folks, this is the second one I've had. So let me explain what happens. I didn't get a tour of heaven, Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I know that some of you don't like that. I know some of you are my good friends and you get mad at me when I say that. But I'm just telling you what happened to me. I didn't get any tour of heaven with Jesus. And maybe it's because I'm I'm not acceptable. Maybe I've been just fooling myself that I'm walking with Jesus when I'm really not, when I've been rejected by Jesus. Could be I'm rejected. I'm just too filthy to, to... to save. You know, I can I can almost accept that, seeing how the world is and 
a lot of times they say the world is really a projection of you. Here he goes again. Ben's on cue. He's quiet all morning until I talk. And then he starts, you know, interrupting to see at what point I'll pay attention to him. Um, I just burped there. <laughs> Very rude on air. So, you know, the near-death experience, I didn't get the tour with Jesus. I, you know, I was in a hallucinatory state where I'm seeing physical hallucinations of creatures kind of going up and down these uh, on the ceiling. I thought there were vents up there, and there, there weren't, so they were disappearing into the ceiling, little creatures, and uh, things moving, you know. Not, yeah, you know, I've had, uh, and then a lot of, you know, noise down the hall, a lot of voices down the hall, very loud, very loud, you know, talking and, you know, yelling. And is, it, is there anyone down there? Nurse, is there anyone down there? No, it's empty. There's only a couple other rooms besides yours on past the nurse's station, and then it's empty. Empty. Well, I can hear all these voices. I wish they would shut up so I could go to sleep. What are they talking about? And I'm trying to... Um, so when I was in that state of being, I suppose, and, uh, and you know, at that point I would say, okay, so I was slipping away and what I was seeing and what hearing were voices from the other side, I guess the other side of death or, or something like that, or maybe just my imagination pumping that out and I was seeing it. And very animated uh, voices down the hall. And then when I finally got my, had to go to an appointment with, uh, I don't know, nuclear or CT scan or one of these things, and the trans, the, you know, the transporter came. They're called transporters, and they wear blue shirts. <laughs> and they're all they're strapping young lads because they have to push these wheelchairs and people all over the hospital. They came and they got me. And uh, well, I had my chance to look down the hall, and there's nothing there but a door. And and I'm like, no, it was loud. Remember, Trish, didn't I say that? There's voices down there? Huh? What's that? Didn't I tell you about the voices down the hall? Yeah. I did. I told Trish about it. I mean, who are all those people down there? What are they talking about? And laughing. What is that? And um, if there's no one there, then where is it coming from? And, uh, okay, so, uh, and then in my sleep, I was, like, tearing out of my IVs and stuff. I was completely gone. But, again, um, if I'm slipping away, I'm slipping away sideways, meaning I'm going into more of a dream state as a, a doorway to death than anything else, and really a nightmare state. You know, where you have vivid dreams. It's, it's, it be, it's becoming like that as I approach 
Well, I don't know. I could have not come back. I could have not awakened again. I could have not gotten up from the bed. I could have, you know, just, I guess, stayed there and just kept going. And But in this particular case, I didn't have any tour of, uh, like I say, heaven. Jesus welcoming me with angels saying, you know, you made it. Get him out of here. You're going to do that, you're going to go. Because you're just waiting for me. You're trying to bust this up. He's right, you know, he clings on to me and he's very possessive. And so, you know, this is this is what happens when you rescue because I'm the rescuer. So he's he's with me at all times. And he doesn't want to share me. You're interrupting me. Well, you know, um, so then I started recovering, you know, after that. And, and, and so, again, the second time around with a near death, and, um, you know, they asked me if I wanted I'm Okay, this may not last any longer. I'm about two seconds from pulling the plug. And then I'm going to pull it permanently and just live on another planet or some stack or something else right where, where I can't be you know we're trying to keep this 21 year experiment with podcasting going and and then first we had Dasha remember and now 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 Benz has learned this habit of trying to talk when I'm talking he does that even when you're talking with someone on the phone I know anything he gets jealous he but it's very disruptive because he's strong and he's loud. Anyway, okay, well, let's, you guys know what's happening, so we're going to you know, try to keep going. But anyway, the bottom line is uh, I could have slipped out sideways and I would have gone into more of like a dream state. I don't know what would have happened after that. Maybe Jesus would have shown up and taken me somewhere or maybe the lights go out. But see, it was becoming like, there was nobody there to experience the lights going out. There was nobody there to experience the dream state. There was nobody there to experience the next thing. There was nobody there to greet Jesus, uh, you know, to worship Jesus, uh, you know, to worship God. There was nobody there that, um, meaning me, meaning my consciousness, was not there to perceive those kinds of things. I was unable to perceive, I was getting foggier and foggier and, and less and less ability to perceive anything. And unfortunately, um, that's what would have happened. That's how I would have slipped out. I would have just gone. Now, that doesn't mean that there isn't Jesus and all that there. It just means in that particular state, in that waking state of mine, uh, which, again, I couldn't type, I couldn't read, I couldn't see. And I couldn't do anything. I couldn't. I was fumbling around, trying to. I was very feeble, and um, in that particular state, there was no. Um, There's no way to to really. Infection. You know, it's just. It, again, I could have easily slipped out and um, not come back, and I would have never known. Here's the point: in both cases, you know that and the coma. In both cases, I would have never known, in those near-death experiences, I would have never known 
that I had died. Isn't that interesting? I would have never known. Even after something like trauma-based abuse and overdose of phenobarbital and coma, I would have never, you know, an LSD, which was the, which was the, the, the primer to get me to take the, uh, to, to, to obey the mind controller and take the phenobarbital against my will and then wind up in the hospital. And in that case, the, the, the nurses, I have to say, they were, way back then, they were really mean. You know what I mean? Because I was, you know, permanently in bed with this coma. When you're in a coma, they can poke at you and they can mess around with you and mess around with your, you know, you have to have a bedpan and a catheter. They can mess around with that and they can, they can just make it your life awful because they figure you're not there to fight back. Now, these people that want to become nurses, they, they need to go through a psychological test. Why, why do you want to become a nurse? Why do you want to work in it? And then we found out the horrors of COVID, how they were dancing in the hall as people were dying, you know, figuring they get to share in the wealth of getting paid 50 grand a, a body. They were having it up. They were having a good old time. They love death. So why are they there? Well, I'm answering that in my novel. I'm answering exactly who they are and exactly how the system works and exactly to the T what's going on and why when you go to the hospital, you're lucky you even get out of there. You're, you're, it's amazing that I even got out of there. They could have kept me. Had Trish not been my witness and been there, you know, and they just had me alone. They could have easily shipped me off to like psychiatric, you know, because I wanted to go home and I felt they lied to me and they said I could get out one day and then they, they said, oh, we're not discharging you today. And so I was feeling like they were, they were playing games with me, like they were trapping me. You know what I mean? I, I got triggered. I'd been through this before where I was, suddenly, I'm, you know, you can't go home and you're, you're here forever. You're our prisoner, you know. And uh, it doesn't take much for them to do it legally and slap you down to psychiatric, get a 72-hour hold, and then, you know, if necessary, take your case further and get another two weeks slapped on. And there's nothing your wife can do about it either. I mean, it, it, what you, once you enter that level, then, and if you go AMA, then all the insurance that's paid for your ambulance and your this and that and the other thing, uh, suddenly, you know, you get the, the bill slapped on you, insurance canceled, and... Uh, you get sued for all the, uh, you know, all the benefits that you did use uh, now because you're disobedient to, you know, let's face it, Big Pharma runs the hospitals, right? And that's the answer to everything. Big Pharma is where the money is. The only thing they want to do with you is get diagnoses on you, labels for you, so they can justify giving you medication and telling you you have to take it for your entire life. And that's what they do for you. So it's up to us to get the help we need, like me, surviving. And then, you know, at some point, they want to follow up on the medication to make sure you're taking it. They want to draw blood to make sure it's in your blood. They want to, they want to you know, they want in insurance so they can report back. And who, so who's your daddy here? Who, who wants to see if the blood level of medication? What? Well, that would be the pharmaceutical company. They'd be the only one that would have that motivation. But it gets better. What's the biggest form of trafficking that there is? 
child sex trafficking or body parts and, or- and organs and DNA. That's right. The biggest money is in body parts, organs, and DNA. Fetuses, you know, uh, dismembered, dissected, whatever. Okay? That's where the big money is. Uh, what do witch, witchcraft, uh, you know, what do witches do in covens dedicated to Satan? What do they do? They sacrifice beings, human beings. And what happens to them oftentimes? They become dismembered. They become dismembered while they're still alive. And, and who does that benefit? It benefits the pharmaceutical company. And I've said too much, but I'm going to just stop right there. If you can dismember someone while they're alive, you get a chance of preserving those limbs, the organs, the DNA, the blood, whatever. And that's going to, you know, get you more money. So the parallel between a satanic sacrifice and science is direct. There is, there is no comparison. It's identical. The idea is to, you know, cut into the, to the proposed corpse while alive. The idea is to sacrifice the baby, to dismember the baby post-birth while the baby's alive. Because that's where the money is. But who's paying? Only one person on earth paying. Pharmaceutical. So there's your circle. There's your answer. Witchcraft covens are no different than science, than science groups. They're identical. There is no difference. You know, and except for, you know, I guess in the spiritual sense, being able to uh, uh, get into mind control. Mind control, done scientifically, is no different than witchcraft. Mind control, done scientifically, they are identical. They use the identical thing. Uh, they always use um, substitutions and, you know, like voodoo dolls and, and different things to, to represent the uh, target. That's exactly what they do in remote viewing. I mean, it's, it's, so, it's so ridiculously the same that I, I'm shocked that no one's made If Stanley Kubrick were here, he'd probably make a movie about it like that. I guess it's hard to show in a movie format the complete parallel between Big Pharma, which is called, uh, you know, sorcery in the Bible, Pharmakia is the name, is a Greek name for sorcery. So, of course, sorcery, witchcraft, Satanism, right? Sorcery, uh, whether they, I don't care what they tell you. There is no, like, good magic. It's all uh, sacrificial. I mean, if, if, you know, a lot of people will look at sacrifice and say, well, that's not that bad a deal. We have too many people on the planet anyway. We have breeders who will breed uh, you know, babies so we can use in sacrifices. But then what happens? Sometimes if the people have a ritual and they eat the baby or they eat the person or they eat, they, they eat the heart to get the, the, the power of the heart, that's uh, another kind of ritual that's done usually in, um, you know, warfare circumstances where you have an enemy and then you eat the heart of your enemy so you gain the strength the enemy has. They also eat the testicles and the, the all kinds of things, you know, to, to have that power. They feel they're usurping that power for themselves so they can win more wars, so they can claim more territory, so they can get more what? Money power. 
And uh, so it goes on and on and on, the same game, generation after generation ad nauseum. And no one ever figures it out because you only live to be about 80 years old. That's not long enough to really figure it out, is it? For the average person, you keep them busy, keep them busy focused on retirement and keep giving them commercials about all these drugs. And uh, they'll just keep playing the game until they get cut loose in retirement, but then they're too sick to actually enjoy themselves. So they spend the rest of their lives at the, at the, with doctors, um, you know, as a cash cow. And that's what it's all about, Alfie. That's what it all is. And social conformity equals Satanism, period. There is no other excuse. And when people get mad and they say, well, you can't do anything in this life because you can't be part of society because you're not going to bow down to Satan. It's like, yeah, but you'll never say what it is because if you did, you'd be kicked out. So fuck you. I win, you lose. You already lost. You lost at birth. You're pathetic your entire life. There is nothing about you. I don't care how many little gold ribbons you got by achieving things in the world. They were easy setups because you gave in. If you don't give in, they take, they take it away. They make it so you can't you know, make money. You can't make, you know, uh, you know, well, look at this podcast compared to the other ones. I've been around longer than them. Almost, almost. Not, not quite in some cases, but in, in many, yes. And um, it wasn't that we didn't want to make money. It was just that I felt uh, guilt. I felt a guilt, a pang of, of I was convicted by having a donate button, I remember. So I kind of shied away from it because I got a check in my spirit. And it was, you know, there was a Bible scripture that came to me that said, um, uh, um, well, what was it? You know, buy the, buy the truth and sell it not. Meaning, you know what I mean? It's, it's like, get, get the truth, but then give it out f- free freely as and you know and then god would take care of the rest of whatever needs or whatever you know you know and all that and god has done that so you know so that was the deal you know but uh you know give up the idea that this is an enterprise that way you can't have any one group manipulating you you know like for example the patriot community some things are gosh darn unpatriotic. Like the idea of burning the whole place down and starting over again. <laughs> you know, because it gets too far. It went too far, right? They went too far. I'm not saying that's, that's, that's a, a, a policy at this point. I'm just saying that, you know, you need to be free to say things that are not politically correct, even within your own tribe, if you will. And when you have a certain tribe and they've been giving you money, you, you start pulling your punch. I don't care who you are. You pull your punches. Every single person does that. There's nobody that is that strong and that with it that they, that they remain objective when they have sponsors. Nobody. So you're going to play to your sponsors or to the peanut gallery somewhat. And um, I remember when I came out with, uh, I was given a prophetic word that there is no rapture as it's envisioned, as the church teaches it, as, you know, that there'd be a, a great um, harpazo, a great escape uh, from this world um, in, into the arms of Jesus. We'll be, meet him in the air, you know, the, all those scriptures. 
there'll be nothing like that that's going to happen. And, um, you know, for a while I was in the doghouse. I mean, they put me in, this was like 2002 and they put me in the doghouse. You know, they, they were like, you know, how could you say such a thing? And then we had, some of you will remember some of the, the, the people that, uh, the witches that jumped on us, the, the white witch, I forget her name. We called her a white witch because she always dressed in white. She was kind of a portly woman. Um, but she was very vindictive. Oh boy, she was really something. She was going after. She she blamed me and Rich and Frankie that uh, we were attacking her or something. We were we were kind of having some fun at her expense, but I mean we were just you know joking around. But then she went on the warpath and videos and calling. I mean you know she really she really sullied herself by lying so much about us. You know it's one thing to take issue with something that you say. You know, so okay, so that so there's another group that was pissed off. Then we had the the Lisa Rubies of the world pissed off, who who goes in and writes books and articles about how evil we are, and 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 how how you know Zeph Daniel has a new age path, and she just you know, and I asked uh, you know a friend of hers, I mean, why why did she choose me to um, to go after? And the answer is because because you don't have any rules. Because you don't kowtow to any group. Because you don't follow the rules. The rules? What rules are those? You know, go along to get along with, the, with your people, with the people that listen to you. You know, it's like you put a knife in their back. And you take away some of their doctrine or scripture or whatever it is. And I say, well, I'm just being honest. I'm just being honest. I'm just relaying what I get. You know, and then all of a sudden I'm written up everywhere as being, you know, an evil Satanist. Even Steve Quayle put out a, a circular letter to, you know, to stop Russ Dizdar from, uh, you know, collaborating with us or being a guest. He told you, he's, Dizdar said, uh, you know, the late Russ Dizdar, and I'm sorry he passed on, but, you know, he, he, he was a dedicated guy. He fought the Satanist and fought the, the multiple, you know, personalities that wanted to kill him and stuff and, and, and satanic crimes that, that you know, helping out the police and such, who I'm not sure wanted to be helped out, you know, right? Now that we know what we know. Anyway, so Quayle told him, you know, that I'm I'm like the son of Satan or son of some kind of Satanist, and then said that, you know, if you go on uh, Zev's show, you're not on mine. So it wasn't enough to say, label me. He had to go one step further and and be like a school marm and say, if you break that rule and go on Zeph's show, you're not going to be on my show. You understand? And so Russ obeyed perfectly. He obeyed to the letter. I never saw him again. And he had his show on, on the Quail Network, and, and he never made his million dollars. He never made you know much out of it, but he, he, he eked along. He eked out some kind of living. But he had to add to it, uh, I think... Uh, they put on seminars with uh, Lynn Marzulli and others and, and you know, about stuff and then have baptisms and the, you know, like rent a, a, a holiday in somewhere and then have like baptisms in the pool, you know, in Christ. And then, you know, but then have a meeting about satanic abuse, uh, satanic super soldiers, wh- whatever he was, you know, writing about. And, um, and Marzulli would write about UFOs and stuff. And uh, so that was a thing for a while, right? And Quail, Quail was kind of part of that, you know, that network. And you had people here. There was a guy here that had, am I jarring people's memory? 
There was a guy here that had, uh, here in New Mexico that had, he, 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 what did he have? He had a store in Roswell, New Mexico dedicated to, did he have the museum? I don't know. Somebody had, he had some alien thing going, you know, but he's a Christian type of guy. He was like a Patriot Christian, but then he had this alien thing going and he and I got along about as well as oil and you know, oil and, and, and water, (laughs) you know, I mean, it was just repulsion time, you know? And I said, well, you're not really, you know, his name was Guy Malone. Remember him? He's probably still out there. I just said, you know, I, I don't know. Whatever you are, I'm not. Whatever I am, you're not. So, I mean, you know, that's just the way it is, buddy, you know? I was curious. I went down to, I, you know, I felt like if you really are fascinated with aliens, you know, there's some kind of, you know, if that's really dominating your life and you're you're doing that like as a living, that maybe there's something wrong somewhere, you know, but... It's not for me to speculate. I kind of dropped it when I, you know, tried to do an interview and the guy, you know, getting him to talk was like, you know, pulling teeth. So I just, you know, moved on. Uh, he's very loquacious when it comes to his tribe. You know, I, I, I didn't even know there was another tribe that had people like, you know, Marzulli and this, uh, you, you know, who was that guy that was on coast to coast all the time? Stan Deo and all those guys that they were all in their own little cult. I had no idea that there was a line there that you had to, you know, bow down to somebody in there to, to get in. No idea that, the, yeah, there were, there was a, like a rules to follow. And, um, <laughs> oh, it brings it all back. There was another guy in Oregon who was, who was, I liked him. He was a very cantankerous fellow. And he liked to fight, boy. He liked to fight. Do you remember he was in Oregon? I don't know whatever happened to him, but he had a, a prophecy that Boutros Boutros Galley was the gallery was named Boutros Boutros Galley was the Antichrist. Remember that, and then New York would be nuked uh, the summer of I don't know 2003 or something, and um, and then those prophecies failed, and then he was like kind of on his way out because he put all his you know all his eggs in those baskets of those prophecies coming due, and they didn't come due. And then we had others, um, you know, this one woman, very prolific, prolific Christian author, and she just wrote all these books and was considered authority on Christ. And she had that Javier Solana was the Antichrist. And, you know, she was as wrong as, and, and, and the book of Revelation would be fulfilled in one year. And all this stuff, prophetically, that she would put her whole career on, of several books, I forget her name now, a nice old lady, she was old then, so she's probably passed, uh, she's not amongst us now, but I will say this, um, she was wrong, and she wouldn't admit it, and so, and so, you know, what do you do, you, you can't, right, so if I was taking sponsorship from the same people that sponsored her, or, you know, the, the, you know, the coast to coast, same thing. They had me on. I drove Art Bell completely nuts because I think, I think what drove him nuts is that I would say anything. <laughs> no, you, you get him out. Come on, I would say anything. And I think that's, um, you know, I wasn't bound by some code of ethics or some kind of thing, you know. And everything was fair game to me back in the early days. And, um, you know, just like it is now with Big Pharma and all that. I mean, I don't have a, a, a sponsor there that's going to sponsor me to say, you know, Pfizer's great or whatever, you know. But see, when you have sponsors, 
And even donors. I had a guy who gave me $10,000 once. And, or a thousand dollars, I don't know, fifteen hundred, I don't know, some big number. You know, back then it was like a huge number. You know, and I, I this is when I dropped the donate button. I found myself steering toward you know giving that guy a break, and he needed to be reeled in, and and it was like giving him a break. You know, I don't, I'm, I wasn't even sure where the money came from. You know what I mean? It was just like a donation, and I and I felt. Um, well, I spend it on gear or something, you know, to further the podcast. But I think, you know, I, I basically, at that point, you know, I, I realized that this is a real problem. And I don't want to, you know, and then I, then I, then I, uh, I didn't turn on the fellow, but I, you know, I, I pointed out that he was, uh, you know, a whack job. You know, he's completely nuts. And he was predatory and he was stalking us and <laughs> he was stalking various people. <laughs> And you know what I mean? People that were hanging around. So he just used that, that donation as a way to have access to stock people. And so it's very dangerous. And I'm like, okay, Lord, I get it. I get it, Lord. I'm sorry. I made a mistake. That was wrong. That I should have right from the beginning said no, that you would provide for us and that I didn't have to, you know, eke out this living on this podcast. It wasn't supposed to be for that. It was supposed to, the podcast grew out of writing I grabbed a, a report called the Zeph Report back in 2002, and, and the reason it was we would do, uh, pr, you know, writing. You know, I would do, uh, uh, you know, inspired writing, and then I was also writing Lamb and, and Glass backwards at the time. And I was there. I would then put out real audio messages that were like maybe five to ten minutes in length, not a full podcast MP3, and. Um, there was a way to kind of put a face with the with the name, you know, because it was all audio. And now we're in the realm of video, and most video should be taken down. Most video should be converted, in my opinion, should be converted to audio. Should not be put up as a video. Unless you're going to do lighting, makeup, hair, and, you know, have a decent cameraman, uh, you should not use webcams to do, to do anything. But, you know, a Zoom call, maybe, a personal call, but a professional podcast, you should not do. It makes you look like an amateur. You know, and they don't get much money. They don't get, you know, the, the people that make the money, I've noticed, have a, an elaborate production. They've got hair, they've got makeup, they've got lights, they've got cameras, they've got experienced camera people, they've got electricians, they've got all that stuff at their beck and call. And so they have a big overhead, but then they make lots of money. They make millions of dollars, uh, you know, uh, you, you know, coddling the uh, patriots, making the patriots feel good. You know, aiding and abetting the Patriot tribe. Um, you know, is the Patriot tribe all truth all the time? Hell no. So you can't really afford to to to, to pick one tribe over another. To 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 you know, just like the Democrat Party, um, you know, all of their media and everything coddle the Democrats. No matter what the Democrats do, they're above the law and they want to hunt children and get rid of the vote and put people in cages and depopulate the earth and all that. And they get a complete pass from all the media because they're all in the tank. Because all their money comes from, you know, come, all, everything they have comes from the, the people that, uh, you know, are um, indoctrinated into, um, you know, shit society and call it caviar. And so they listen because they have to keep reinforcing the caviar message over and over and over again every day, all day long. 
you know, Big Pharma loves you, and uh, this is your beautiful retirement, green grass, and, you know, beautiful uh, sunsets, and, and here, just move into this Dell Webb building, and you too can have this wonderful little life, uh, you know, we saw them, we were in Bradenton, picking up the, 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 the big beast, the bus, the, the Prevo bus we have, it's uh, older, you know what I mean, it's, it's 13, 14 years old. So we're restoring it. And, um, but I had to drive it from Bradenton, Florida, uh, which is like Sarasota, um, all the way back to Santa Fe, which is a long drive and stopping in Houston. And, um, you know, um, what did I notice? So we stayed at the KOA in Bradenton with the old uh, motorhome we had. It's not a bus. It was a motorhome. And then we... We now have a bus uh, that that we can call our own. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> what an adventure. Anyway, we went through Bradenton. It's kind of like all sticks, you know. It's like, you know, just, just land. And all of a sudden, you start seeing, like, lumber piled up to the, every corner and a new light, street lights and everything, you know, in Bradenton. And what it is is, it's Del Webb going in, putting all these retirement homes in the Sarasota area, not on the ocean, but back a little bit, um, you know, on the highway and off the highway, which is just a two-lane highway, a little country store. And now, now Del Webb is invaded, and they just decided to buy all that land up in Sarasota and get everybody moving to Florida. They, they're, they're smart. They're, they're ahead of the curve with people moving to Florida. But there, they piles of lumber and roofs and uh, you know, tiles and just building material just stacked up everywhere, just in the open, unguarded, you know, and, and truck after truck after truck uh, with these Dell Webb things. And, and um, it's um, quite, uh, I, I'm, I'm like, I look at Trish as we're driving by, you know, and we're, trying to get the hell out of there and get up on the 75 to the, uh, you know, up to the, up to the 10. And, uh, remember all those Dell Webb houses It's all Dell Webb and they, they want you to retire there. Would you want to retire there? Hell no. Uh, you know, I'd rather be in, in a bus or a trailer, you know, any, any kind of trailer would do. Although the stronger ones, ones that have stronger siding, like the Airstream, I'd probably, if I, had no money for this kind of thing. I would get myself a used airstream, and 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 do some some extra insulation on it. There's no storage in it. You'd have to pull it with a truck with a with a lockable shell to have your storage. But I mean that that would be a comfortable way to. You, know, you could weather storms and you could you could do pretty well with that and and on the cheap in my in my view and and especially if you boondock meaning you, you camp for free if you can find places to go for free. And if not, um, you know, I'd stay away from a lot of these places that have lifers in there because there's, sometimes there's drugs. You know what I mean? The drug dealers move in to places like that, you know, and they get everybody strung out on, on uh, you know, meth and stuff. So you got to be careful. You know, we start hearing people driving around at 2 in the morning, and that's the 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 the, the RV park you're staying at. And you start seeing the electrical go down and sewage not really work right, and you know not 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 feeling secure. When that starts happening, hitch it up, fire up the motor, 
and head to another location. Go, you know, and if you're completely puzzled, a lot of people go to the slab. Remember the slab? Have you seen that? Anyway, uh, yeah, uh, I, I do recommend any kind of RVing, but I recommend that, you know, I don't recommend a bus to anyone unless you, do you like boats? See, a bus is like a boat. It's, it's, you're going to have to throw money into it. It's just, it's going to be more of a hobby thing. You know, it's, 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 um, can be, you know, it can be cool to show it off, like with your company logo and things like that. And that's what I intend to do. Um, in, in habit at conventions and, you know, so, so it serves a function, but I would say the most reliable would be a, you know, a tough trailer if you could do it. And some people bought, uh, Around here, what they're doing is they're buying airstreams and on, and other travel trailers, and they're they're taking they're they're setting them up on the land out here as a permanent, with like views and you know like like as a as a, a glamping kind of you know so they'll take an airstream and inside they'll take like the kind of reeds we have these reeds called latias around here and they'll just put those reeds in the whole thing so all your you know, you, they'll put a new sink in, they'll put a new, you know, they'll, they'll basically remodel that little space called the Airstream. And then you're in this, like, luxury situation where you can stay and have a view and have a New Mexico, you know, hike around the mountains and, and, or the desert or whatever. And um, they also have geodesic domes, which are made of just plastic and wood. And people are renting those, and what they do is deck them out inside, so you have every creature comfort. But then there you are out in the elements, and so yeah, so there is that. And then if you have your own travel trail, a lot of people are fixing up the nineteen, you know, sixties trailers that had, you know, usually they were they didn't have any air conditioning, but they were just a box. But to fix those up, you have to, you know, to go through storms, you've got to. That's why they choose airstreams for here, for New Mexico, because they have to go through storms and that siding can handle it. But I don't know, you know, uh, some people are way more expert than, than me on that. I, I enjoyed the time I had a trailer. I had a tent trailer and I enjoyed that. And then I had a little egg and we couldn't fit in the egg. But I thought that was cool because I could take that anywhere. You know, I could do U-turns with that and then we had like a, a regular 27 foot and it was uh, not too strong on the, on the siding and stuff, but it just had what you needed, it had a little living room and a, and a bedroom that were, could be separated. So it'd be easy for, you know, two or three people to stay in there. And it was, um, I used to go out there and do podcasts. It would be set up here and I would go out there and, you know, I'd be traumatized and poisoned and trying to survive and and I'd be trying wondering about it all while I was in ow what I just got hit with the the uh the rope okay well anyway I've sort of wasted your time with this with the whole point I was trying to make was in the history of podcasting anybody that's really sponsored and that includes donors and stuff you know, so we're people sponsored, you know, and it doesn't matter. It's the same thing. We'll pull their punches and or will it will change their narrative and their and their story that they're going to tell you. And people that are unhinged like me um, or, you know, a threat to society or whatever will say anything. And then and and, and the people that were supposed to be in the same 
group as I'm in will reject you or me in this case because they don't want what is that are you listening to me they don't want um I, I guess because they're they're jealous of the freedom that somebody that has nothing can do. Like if you don't have anything invested in the podcast, it's a it's a free podcast. I'm talking to you as like brethren. You know what I mean? And I'm using a skill that I have, which is being fairly loquacious and <laughs> a wordsmith. And you know, and and you know, putting it out there in between, you know, like work that I that I would, you know. Uh, ordinarily be doing and that work my life work would be away from this right and um you know and in that case we do try to curry favor with people that that can pay us and things like that because we want to see our work distributed and we don't want to see it just buried and we do want to survive and we're 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 struggling right now to survive and so that struggle to survive um is you know goes on but it just doesn't go on in the podcast i mean podcasting is relatively cheap to do if if you have a phone you can do a podcast so it's it's not something that's going to be cost intensive a voice on the radio is much more powerful than an image on a screen and um, unless that image on the screen is going to be something like three minutes or two minutes then it's okay, you know, if it will blurb. But if it's going to be a significant podcast with, with a, you know, a message and deep meaning, the, the spoken word is, more, is as powerful as the written word and we'll get through, you know, and, and we'll get through in a way that, a, that a, a video will not get through unless the person, unless you do what I do, which is I take the video pod and I turn it upside down and I just listen at night like as a radio and get, I don't miss anything. All right, so here is the you know scripture that popped out at me today, and um, I'm going to go. I'm not sure what uh, this is like. You know, it's it's like a little bit of motivation, but it's keying into where I think we're at right now. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Uh, and, and it just says, you know, so the good news here is that you keep going no matter what other people say. You know, the one true companion throughout life is God, and he will never abandon us. You know, God will, and that's, um, you know, that's repeated elsewhere, too. I'm, I'm just going to pull up that, uh, I think it's Deuteronomy. My iPad is very cantankerous. Deuteronomy 31.6. And, um, you know, you've also heard, you know, Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's pretty much, you know, paramount. When things go wrong and things, you know, Every challenge that we've had has always been a challenge of faith. Do you have faith enough to make it through this next thing? Do you have faith enough? And of course, for us, it's it's you know being in a you know we're swimming with the sharks now, 
in in uh, you know in uh, media. We're not in the Angel crew or the Mel Gibson crew as much as I you know I like Mel Gibson and I like all these people or the Roseanne crew or these other or you know the the Amanda Milius crew or the others you know or the other documentarians. We're, we're not we're not in there. Where are we? Well, we're smack dab up against you know the, the SAG and Hollywood and you know the the and the players and they don't you know and the idea that they want us to go get in our lane they want us to get in our lane and stay in our lane because we write stuff you know it, it looks like a horror movie sound but then there'll be some kind of zinger in there there'll be some consciousness changer in there it won't be the mind control when you get a, a film from us especially the documentary I'm in that's that's going to come out now it's going to be premiered in um, in England um, next in October, no, in August, end of August, and um, you know the Brits are really, <laughs> you know, and 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 it, the blurb is already the announcement's already gone out worldwide on Deadline and everything else, and it makes me look like I'm simply there to sully and attack and destroy my family. Um, my family has been gone for a long time. I held this a long time before I really, I spoke on the podcast, but that was just, you know, not really getting spread, you know, being heard here and there by this guy or that guy, you know, just to, you know, it's just people probably wonder why, how I even kept going with, without much in the way of support. But, um, so that was one thing, you know, and, and to be honest, people weren't that curious, but when you start adding up, what happened of being, you know, trauma-based abuse, murder attempts by your own, you know, mother, by your own father, by your own, by people in your, in, by people that were, you know, that you grew up with that were friends, turning on you because you weren't going to be a Satanist, really because you weren't going to be a pedophile is really what the, the whole thing came down to. Because you weren't going to participate in, you know, look the other way on human trafficking, which the whole thing came down to, even back then. You know, getting the, the Chinese children off the containers in the L.A. Harbor. Oh, yeah. It had, it, you know, it's funny. When my mother died, I had to go out there. I never lived in her house. She had some, you know, nice house and off sunset and stuff. And I went there because we had to auction off all her stuff to pay taxes, including the house itself. And we had to use all of it to pay the IRS, and they got every penny that they wanted. The guy next door came over and made a complaint. And he complained about the uh, nude Chinese girls that were around the pool. And I'm like, does anything, girls, you know, children, does anything ever fucking change? And this is why um, there were murder attempts on me. Okay, now you see. You see how many people get killed on the pedophile stuff? Okay, so you okay now now you get it. And Trish was in danger too, in 2010. So I find that to be uh, some some rich memories there. Um, but you know, and the Lord told me, don't come back here for any reason. And this is going on, and other people are trying to look the other way, like you know. 
her attorney and I, it was he's a good friend of mine, and, and uh, you know, I introduced him to her, and, you know, and he's got all kinds of mixed feelings, I'm sure, and, you know, he'll have to deal with it in his own way, just like we all do. But it happened. It was the system of Beverly Hills, of, of uh, Hollywood. It, was, it wasn't just here or there. As I always said, it turned out to be exactly what I said and not what the others said, not what Quayle said, not what you know, Stan Deo said, not what, and not even what uh, Gunderson said. It was way more involved, you know? I mean, he got into some, some, some cults and stuff. I talked to him privately. Um, about Los Angeles because I wanted I wanted to query him about what he knew about my own family, and he he said he didn't know anything, and then I was like, well that's weird, and then he told me he had been living in a condo in Las Vegas with Bryce Taylor and Stu Webb, sharing a condo, and. He and his buddy, Ken Adachi, I think that was his name, who I don't know, he may still be around. If, if so, he's a real old guy. And Ken Adachi, uh, you know, w- wants to steer me into, I mean, he never was straight with me, but I kept asking him, you know, and the, this is all I wanted from him. I wanted to meet with Bryce Taylor to just compare notes. And it's like they, they blocked it. And then Stu Webb started going around the web calling me a CIA agent. So what the hell? I don't know if I even trust Ted Gunderson. All right? I mean, I've been hearing all this positive talk from Alex Jones and stuff, and I'm like, that, dude, that's not my experience. At all. Negatory. You know, hanging out with Stu Webb and, you know, obviously a liar. So what else was he lying about? And what the hell has he got? What what the hell were they doing? They were like controlling Bryce Taylor. Her name is Sue Ford. What were they doing with that? You know, like, like me, like they want to do with me, she got sold into slavery at a, as, as a little girl. And she was from Woodland Hills. And she got sold to, to, you know, powerful Hollywood types and, you know, and, and you know, they, they groomed her to be, uh, you know, they did this back in the day where they would have you have a photographic memory so you could see something and then you could report it back for espionage. And, uh, you know, um, and her book, I see no guile in her book whatsoever. I've got a kind of a copy of it. I understand now they're worth about $1,000. You can even find a, a, a Xerox copy kind of thing. <laughs> Isn't that something? Because it's, it's called Thanks for the Memories. And uh, if you have one, you know, hold on to it just if you're a collector. <laughs> You know, one of the great things to do today would be to collect books because they're burning them all over the place. So if you've got, if you're in book collection, you're in, you're in a, you're in a good business if you know something about books. Unfortunately, I got rid of a lot of books, but I'd, I'd love to just build this whole place into like bookshelves and just start collecting DVDs and books and just the hell with the streaming and social media and all of that. Anyway, so there's a problem with the truth with Ted Gunderson, and there's a problem with the truth uh, because of what I just said. 
because of those affiliations, because they, you know, um, you know, this Adachi fellow, he sent over this, some kind of guy who calls himself a high priest and some new age priest, some Zarathustra type name. I don't even know what it was. And he comes over and he gets on the phone and he calls Adachi up and he goes, yep, uh, Zeph is being handled by Trish. And he's saying it right in front of me on the phone. You know, I can't get anywhere, uh, Kent, sorry. And, you know, he's, 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 he's uh, stubborn. He's, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's not coming along. I'm not getting him to heal. I'm not getting him to obey. I'm not getting him to bow down. He doesn't seem to understand the trouble he's in because his wife is shielding him. She's, contro- she's the one that's got control. So she's like a high-level CIA agent, and that's where that all started. I forget his name. What was his name? He was calling himself God or something, you know, and he had this, like, girlfriend, and they, 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 they would hike up to our little tabernacle to worship the sun when it came up. I mean, you know, the whole bit, you know, people. It was blaspheming our home. And then he, he goes and he picks up this, we find a spade from the Anasazi, an ancient spade that the rain had revealed in perfect condition, just lying on the ground. Now, something like that, it was on Indian territory, on Anasazi territory, and it could have been a tribal from a later tribe, uh, um, not on a Pueblo, it was on a ranch, and um, a private ranch, and um, he took it and took it home. He just took it in his van and went home to Canada, and he took this spade, and I saw in the spirit how the Indians were attacking him. Now, look, I'm watching. I don't know what to believe. Maybe I'm just, my imagination is doing it all, and maybe it's just nothing I say is real because everyone says everything that's outside of this is demonic, and uh, if you say it's ghosts or if you say they're entities or whatever, uh, you're lying. So, okay, I'll just say I don't know what it is. But he couldn't get home. The car was messed up. He was getting messed up. They were definitely being attacked, but it's because he had that spade. And I know about, look, I tried to take a piece of pottery and then I got attacked and then I put the pottery back on the ground because I knew that anybody that touches this pottery shards is going to be attacked. And I know that. And I warned him about that and he didn't seem to care. He just goes, well, I'm never going, you know, he he goes, I put it in the backyard and he goes, well, I'm never going to go to the United States again. I'm never going to go to the United States again because of something he did. But see, Here's a New Age priest, and he doesn't understand things like that. I thought those New Agers were supposed to understand stuff like that. But, but he, ha- he has absolutely no knowledge about anything. He's just a doofus, just a uh, pretender, a liar, a cheat. Anyway, God help him, you know. God help people that put down the Lord. He, he also said that, God failed when he made human beings, and human beings have to be improved. So he was right there with Noah Harari. Anyone who's there with Noah Harari is a liar. A liar, just like Klaus Schwab and everyone else. They intend to torture people and kill everybody and right away. And they're getting ready to do, they're, they're, they're telling us we're going to launch a plague. Everything we want to do to you, I don't care about the Great Awakening. It doesn't matter. You can awaken a a, a million people a day and you still won't stop it. It will get worse every day. I don't care how many people awaken. 
Awakening doesn't do shit. The only thing that's going to do anything is stopping them. And if you don't have the balls to do that, then that's going to be, then, then that's the end of you and your family and goodbye. And that's, you know, I hope that people eventually understand nothing is free. Nothing is free. You're not going to sit there listening to the radio and grow enlightenment, you know, in, in, enlightenment antlers. You, you know what I mean? And, that's going to, and then, then that's going to mean you're free. That's not going to happen. Uh, people awakening and they know, they know about the pedophile. Listen, back when I was in school, all the kids in the class knew about it. They all knew about it. And they, they, they said, you know, they were saying, don't fight it. And it's like, it was bigger than the class. It was bigger than the city. It was bigger than everything. It was as big as this world. Back then. <coughs> oh, now, please. You just... He's trying to be patient, but he just can't stand it. <coughs> Seriously, he doesn't do this during the... He's, you know, he's always gathered around my feet and... <coughs> I guess what he's done is really bonded to me, and I'm sorry about the barking. Anyway, I revealed a lot on this podcast, okay? I didn't charge you for it. I don't expect anything for it. If if you want to, uh, you know, you know uh, bless Crazed House because you're a movie fan and you want to go over, you are you you like reading books or whatever, I can steer you over to so, even Substack. I you know that. People can make a donation if they like. That's fine. It's, it's allowed. It's appreciated. But I'm not pushing anything like that. I'm just I'm doing a, a live novel um, while it's fresh about the, uh, the novel is a, a, about the hospital. And uh, I'm not going to tell you what it's about because you have to keep reading to find out what it's really about. It's called The Witch World. Okay? And, um, you know, I get more. I got 150 subscribers right now I think because of this witch world and I believe that like you readers out there I want to find out what's going to happen in that next chapter and the character that's in it is named Zeph it's not me it's kind of a composite sort of me kind of thing you know but it's in the first person and and the guy's name is Zeph who's in the hospital and it's about discovering some evil thing some horrible thing in the hospital and, you know, some very, very horrible, horrible thing that's going on. And, uh, you know, it's also about the interaction with the nurses and how, you know, how they're kind of like running the place. And, you know, the doctors are, you know, in, in this case, the doctors are evil as well. And uh, they, they, they are uh, in a big institution where they feel like they're beyond the law. And they can do anything they want to the patient's. And what does it matter if a guy dies? You know, he's going to die anyway, an old, old guy. If he dies, you know, if he, if he gets uh, chopped up just before he dies versus waiting till after he's in the morgue, which is downstairs near the ER somewhere. Because <laughs> it's a shorter walk from the ER to there. The idea is to preserve life, then cut it down in your own terms, and then tell the family that, you know, we've, uh, we cremated the body and here's the slip and here's your ashes. Don't have to match the body. I don't think anyone's going to do a DNA test. I don't even think they could. So, you know, you, you can see where that goes, right? 
Uh, I just can't believe the AMA is so evil as it is and that there's no crosstalk between specialists. Like, you know, urology doesn't talk to, you know, um, uh, you know to, the, to the heart doctor, doesn't talk to the general practitioner, doesn't talk to the, you know, to the gastroenterologist, uh, you know, the... Um, uh, the cardiologist, the uh, you know the the, uh, the 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 blood sugar, the pancreas experts, you know they don't they don't communicate. They all have their own little world going. You know, and each one feels free to layer you up with drugs. Well, a lot of these drugs don't interact well together, so they have a department of pharmacy that's supposed to figure that out. Well, they don't always figure it out, and and then you know drugs, you know people become experiments. You know, and oh, it didn't work. Well, let's try this. Just slap it up against the wall, see if it sticks. You know, compare that to Chinese medicine where they treat the whole person and they've been doing it for thousands of years. Right? And they treat things like afibulosis and those kind of things for thousands of years. But if you have a heart issue, they also treat, well, what in your life has broken your heart? They treat your heart heart and they treat your emotional heart and they treat the whole person heart and your overall health. Now that makes a lot more, I don't know much about Ayurvedic medicine, but I've, you know, from the Vedas I, I, and, and, and beyond, I, I don't know much about that, but I know that there are some Chinese herbalists around here. And um, what I don't like is being threatened with, if I don't take the medication, I'm gonna have a stroke or a heart attack. That's what I don't like to hear. You know, I just think that's really unfair. That's like trying to program me. And I, I think that's evil. They keep saying it, though. They keep wanting to threaten the patient. Like I told the woman, I said, I don't like this eloquis and this motoporol and pro- prolol and, you know, this, uh, you know, these other things that, you, you know, you, they don't really you know, make me feel a little bit wobbly and dizzy. And so, well, if you don't take it, we're, gonna, we're not going to admit you to the uh, outpatient care. We're going to just, you know, table it, canceled. And it's like, you know, and if you don't take it, you know, the, the blood can, and then they show me a chart where the, they go, the blood is up here fibulating, and uh, if it goes that direction, if it coagulates, then it can form a blood clot that goes to your brain, and then you're done. And that will change your whole life. Okay, I better take those meds then. Oh, boy, I don't want that to happen. Uh-huh. You get the message? What kind of people would be in and take a job like that where you tell the general public that, you know, they're going to die or, 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 or have a stroke if they don't do exactly what they're told? What, what kind of uh, medicine is that? It's bullshit. So the guy that's undergoing that kind of treatment has to eventually break out to live. And, um, you know, what brought me to my health crisis is I had uh, urine retention in the bladder and then that just expanded to an insane, you know, I, I, I think I, you know, wrecked the bladder. And so that's put me in a very, you know, awkward position, but I am 70 almost. So it's, it's not completely unusual, but it's, it's, it, it probably could have been avoided had I gotten on it a few years ago. But I didn't know where to draw the line. 
I just kept thinking that I go in there and, and we're going to get the knife going and the medication and, you know, turning turning into a zombie or, you know, wearing diapers 24-7 or whatever. I, I just, you know, so I avoided and, um, you know, and, and, and it built up to an insane level and stretched out the bladder to the point where it's, we don't know whether it's going to be responsive or not, but then they have all kinds of procedures they can do to try to get it going again. Yeah. Well, if you want to feel sorry for me, just feel sorry for that because that that's the hassle. As far as the heart and everything else, I believe these things, um, again, it's a matter of health, you know. I think over the last three years that there's been a lot of stress with the film business and, and uh, trying to get, you know, seen and heard and, and, you know, trying to, you know, being, you know, uh, you know amongst the wolves has really taken a toll, you know, and I, and I do believe God wanted us there. I think that may be the only reason he wanted us there, because he wants us to be amongst them. He doesn't want to be us, us holed up in our own group, where everybody's on the same page, and, and of course that's, there is no group like that. No one's on the same page. But he wants us to be, he sends us out in twos, right? He sends us out amongst them, lambs among the wolves, he says, if they don't receive your word, then it'd be better for Sodom and Gomorrah than it would for, you know, in that situation. Um, the, the, you know, the, it'd be better, Sodom and Gomorrah would be a better fate than what they're going to suffer, you know, by rejecting you. And they say, you know, and then Jesus says, they're not even fit to tie your sandals. I send you out there, you bring them a word about me. Jesus saves you know, Jesus the answer, Jesus the future, Jesus the eternity, Jesus the great news, Jesus the redeemer, Jesus the I make all things new, Jesus the the one, the 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 uh, alpha and the omega, Jesus the enigma, Jesus the mystery, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. You take any of that to them, and um, they're programmed to reject it. So God doesn't say go back again. God just says, tag them, mark them. In other words, by with leaving, you know, um, you know, depart from them. When you depart, you leave them marked. They rejected God. They rejected Jesus' offer of salvation. They rejected Jesus. They rejected it. And does that mean people return to them? Well, it might. Uh, somebody else, not you. You're not going to return to just like a dog does not. You know, a dog returns to his vomit, but you're not going to return to to your you know to that incident. They rejected you, and you said okay, and you you know you they have free will and they have the right to do that. But. Uh, never, ever, ever, ever think that just because things look like they're going well for them. I mean, I see a lot of people. They win awards. They they get in the limelight and they go, ah, gee, how'd they get there? And you, you wonder, you know. And um, they, um, you know, that you work hard. You work harder, and you're just you're just not. Uh, it's just not working out the way that you wanted it to. And and so you work harder and harder until you finally get into health problems. 
and it's not working out the way you wanted it to. And then, but it does over there. And it's like saying, well, are you going to stand by in faith and take it and ask God to heal your wounds and by his stripes we're healed and, and appropriate that scripture and that truth and that blood? Or are you going to want to give it and do as the wicked? Psalm 37 says, look, don't do as the wicked do. Do not envy the wicked for their wealth or their success. Don't. Do not ever do that. Because the, and I'll tell you why. Because justice is coming. Maybe not on your schedule, but it will come. They owe justice. They probably got their success and wealth by stealing from someone or doing a satanic ritual. A lot of these guys will get somebody, get a clip of hair, get something, do a ritual to try to take what the other guy has, you know, to boost their own success. And as soon as you realize that and call it out in prayer and say, Lord, we rebuke that in Jesus' name. We cast that out in Jesus' name. We break all spells and hoodoo, voodoo, any kind of sympathetic magic in Jesus' name. And, and you know, we, we, we ask for your protection and your blessing, and we ask for your provision and your... And, and you know, you know, success for our labor, and, and, but we rely on you, Lord. We put you first. We rely on you. There is no, we have nothing else to rely on. We rely on you, but you are sufficient for everything. Thank you, Lord. You know, praise. And um, we follow the Lord and uh, amongst them. And they uh, become livid. I mean, they get mad. I had this one guy get mad at me, you know, couple of months ago, a few months ago. And man, he just, we're supposed to be collaborating on something. He just couldn't help himself. He just had to start picking on me. He just had to do it. And he'd say things like, well, some people think if you work harder, you can overcome some of these blockages. You know, kind of like with a Cheshire grin. You understand that? If you just work harder, you know, you know things will work out. <laughs> you know? And, and it's like, God, I've, I've got to make some money out of this deal. We're working on. Oh, well, sorry, but you can't. Like, you've got to be in the club to make money. You're not going to make money. And just, this happened to me when I was like 12. There was a guy... And I remember we had a beach house, and I was in the, in the I stayed in the maids' quarters. So I, I was like eleven or twelve, I think. And he he was a member. His family was a member of this beach club. And he spent the entire like two days telling me how I wouldn't be accepted and I wouldn't get along. I wouldn't be allowed to to you know to be. He said that that uh, they would you know. And I and I I don't think he really knew me personally that well. But he was just like, you know, determined to let me know that I would be, you know, completely rejected should I show my face down in a place that I'd never been before. You know, I'd been maybe as a child, but I mean, I'd, I had no intention of going there. And, and he was just saying how, you know, the, the you know, it, it was a high society club. You know, you had to have some uh, gravitas to get in there. Money's not good enough. But, um, you know, he went on and on on how I'd be rejected. And he was, and he was right. Eventually, uh, that house was given up. It was in Malibu, and that house was given up. And then there was the only access to the beach was that club and went in there. And 
got friends with some people, but sure enough, it was like, you know, an oil and water situation. And, uh, they were all like, you know, the people that go there are just mainly airheads and, you know, socialites, you know, they're, they're, they, they, they are just fools really, you know, and <laughs> they give good reason <laughs> for, you, you know, uh, they give, uh, you know, uh, impetus to the, the communists wanting to burn everything down. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because if that's where you wind up with, with this privileged class that basically um, all they do, you know, all day long is just pursue base pleasures. You know what I mean? It's like, it, it, it's, it's, it's like they have an intellect, they have some advanced degrees, they got uh, some are doctors, some are lawyers. You know, and and all they can think about is is, you know, being naughty. You know, that's just all they can really think about. Then that's what happens. They become decadent, and that's what leads to the pedophilia, that kind of attitude, of you know, flesh is not that important. You know, base desires are important, and then you know, it's an unspoken thing that the deep dark secret in L.A. is pedophiles. And I think this guy that's working on it, this Ballard guy. I don't think he really, he, I mean, he knows the extent of it from being in, you know, being in Afghanistan and we, we've just been dealing with Pakistan ourselves. And, um, and by the way, I haven't heard yet on the seven sisters, uh, but we all, we all pitched in to try to get them out of there, you know, to, so they wouldn't be sold to slavery. And, um, if you want to participate uh, now would be the time where you can actually pull a person out of out of being a sex slave, including a baby, and that is um, uh, by dealing with uh, you online the Little Treasure Orphanage, and there's a hyphen between uh, little and treasure, and you can go there. There's a you know the website kind of needs to be upgraded. I mean they need help, you know they just don't have any money to to get it done. Um, they have? Yeah. Well, it doesn't fit on my phone. Anyway, there's a donate thing there. You can go PayPal or you can go uh, Apple Pay or, you know, the um, credit card. Anyway, um, one thing I can guarantee to you, whatever you pitch in there goes directly into their mouths and into their breaking the chains. There is no bureaucracy. There is no hierarchy. There is no red tape. It's just basically brute, a brutal uh, street ministry, you know, meaning it's a brutal situation in a street ministry situation. The, the people that they're saving are called the untouchables, okay? And, and, you know, if they're Hindus in this Hindu caste system, the untouchables are literally what they mean, untouchable. They're the street urchins, street, street people. They're no good. They're dirty. They're street people. They're not worth anything. That's that's the problem with the caste system, you know. Then you have the different castes. You've got the you know the business caste, and you've got the Brahmin caste, and you've got the you know the, you've got the warrior caste, the police, and the different people like that. And you have got the merchant caste, and then there's the untouchables, right? So, you know, of course Jesus has a burden for them more than anyone. The meek, the real meek. Anyway, I've, I'm just waiting here to hear whether or not with these women, I don't know how old they are. I know one's a baby. So I'm just hoping the seven sisters can get released 
and not sold into sex slavery and well really it's slavery and you know and death and early death that's really what it is it's a death sentence every time they sell one they use them up and kill them you know and then usually go get the kidneys and the organs and uh and then sell those to to the local hospital or whatever oh yeah it's a dirty train hospitals not clean either so we're into some dark stuff now <laughs> You know what I mean? You know, when you're talking about freeing the slaves, when you're talking about having people, uh, you know, going free, having, and then, you know, if they know that Jesus broke their chains and this ministry is all Jesus, well, then they stay home. They don't stray. You know what I mean? Once, once they get that they were literally saved by Jesus, they get it and they just and they just become leaders of the church. They, they, they become leaders in the ministry. They, they become helpers in the ministry. They join the ministry. The rest of their life is going to be ministry. They, they do not go anywhere. They stay, um, you know, in every case I know of, they've stayed loyal. Right, Trish? Is that true? Every case they've stayed loyal. So, uh, so that's my pitch for Violet and John are lovely people and they, they care and they just went out there on their own to the streets and ask God what to do with their lives. And God put them into this ministry uh, with what to do. And then, you know, the whole idea is, you know, with so many people donating to so many useless causes, I don't know why more people don't donate to save, literally save lives of, of children. If we're talking about human trafficking and sex trafficking and how awful it is, getting these lives saved. Now, this Ballard guy is talking about, he, he, Mel Gibson told him to go get the Ukraine children. He says he saved 6,000 of them and women from slavery. I mean, I, I don't know how he would do that, but that's a lot of people. You know, I guess there, he'd have to be mercenary. I, I, well, I just don't know the details of it, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of very powerful people now on board with this thing and, you know, Trump was the guy that had anti-slavery month was January. And then they turned the, the White House into an LGBTQ brothel. They turned it into, you know, an abomination. I mean, whenever you have some alternative lifestyle, it's like, uh, you know, everybody has, you know, tolerance for it and all that stuff, you know, and, and, and you know, live and let live. And people are going to work out their own stuff. And, you know, you hope that... Uh, you know, people stop focusing so much on, on their libidos and focus a little more on fixing society. You'd hope that they'd be able to put aside their selfish desires, but oh boy, boy, that's really something. And they need an LGBTQ. Well, that's all that is is the Communist Party. That's all that is. There, there's no LGBTQ anywhere. There, there's no need for, you know, um, you know, this day and age. They're just, you know, I don't know people that are prejudiced. I don't know people that are... All I know are people who are struggling and they're trying to get by and they're cooperating with all kinds of different people and skin tones and sexual desires and all kinds of people thrown together trying to survive. Okay, I don't see what they're talking about. It's only artificial division so they can retain power. That's all it is. And then then giving away like free student loans and stuff like that so they can, you know, have people vote for them so they can just stay in power. They're planning on using the military. I'll tell you what they're planning on doing coming up. 
they're planning on stealing the election and using the military to back it up and do it and having some kind of pandemic or emergency during the election so that they have to lock it all down so there can be no dissent whatsoever. Now, if you don't want that, let me explain something. Awakening is not going to help you. Here's another secret. Most of the people are awake. Most of the people on earth are awake. They're scared, and so they're hiding, but they're awake. That's the way it was when I was a kid. And that's the way it is now. And it's no different now than then. It's a very, very dangerous world. They're planning on reducing the population through war, strife, starvation, confiscation of farms, and you know, putting the Chinese in charge of, of whatever you have left, which is just basically slavery in a 200-square-foot you know, you know, coffin box to live in. Okay, if you don't want that, you know, your podcast is not going to help you. If you don't want that, other actions probably have to be taken. For example, don't let them steal the election. Well, how'd that work out? They stole it and they put the military in your face. Right now, all of you in America are prisoners. Every last one of you is a prisoner. We have been held down here by the U.S. military. We're in a police state. And you're a prisoner right now. They don't want to tell you that because they want you to you know, cooperate and still follow the laws. But they're going to turn the heat up now. The reason that they're going to get away with all of it is because you are going to take it and not complain. Not that complaining will change anything. But what I mean by that is you're not going to react. You're going to keep trying to adapt. And the problem is, is they're going to adapt you right into a slave state. And, you know, most of the people that were around the world that you could have known one day, they're all going to be gone. You can drive out on the freeways, there'll be no cars there. You know, because of them. Now, we've already lost millions and millions of people. Isn't it time to address them if they're not uh, I don't mean talking on you know the internet I mean they need to be addressed the the problem is is that the people the billions of people that are still here can't address them because they have all the military might and they have all the guns so therefore the people have no say so even if they all awaken and they all know what's going on and happening to them, they're going to have to die because there is no say. There is no power in, you know, registering a complaint. There is no power in, in voting in a crooked system. It doesn't even matter what people vote. They're going to use the military to lock it down with another emergency, a shock. Okay, if people don't want that 
reaction, then what has to happen is there needs to be divisions, real divisions, in the military and in, in militaries around the world. And, you know, the UN that's quarterbacking the whole thing, they all need to be arrested, obviously. They all need to be thrown in jail. Okay, so who's going to do that? That's right, nobody. So Biden, they put in your face, and he falls, and he shits himself, and he pisses himself, he stumbles, he says stupid, stupid things, he's become an old fool, and they parade him in front of you kind of to sully your nose in it. They parade him in front of you as a victory sign to show you that they won, that here's some feeble guy they propped up, and you'll accept anything, America. You know, obviously, we put this guy in your face, we rub your nose in it. Here he is basically trying to eat girls and, and mouth them and do all these horrible things to children right in front of you, and you won't do a thing. You won't say a thing. You won't do a thing. You're going to keep following the rules. And if you do that, then you are going to be dead. And so will your children. And that's what's coming. And that's coming right in 2024. Unless there is a change. A change meaning a miracle of God, deus ex machina, or a change in the hearts of people to where they find some courage. It takes a lot of balls to go arrest somebody at the UN. (laughs) Or Klaus Schwab or what's his name? Uh, Soros or any of these people, but they're the ones doing it all, and they're they're the ones trying to, you know, the Chinese. Uh, half the Chinese military needs to be arrested, <laughs> you know, when they come over here and buy land, and Bill Gates gives them land to buy. Gates is one of the most obvious criminals of our time, and yet he walks around free and promoted by mainstream media promoting his sick ideas of, of, of dimming the sun and going full-on chemtrail. Now, you know, and then releasing malaria and other things because it's a good thing we need to de- de- depopulate the, uh, the earth for the good of Mother Earth and f- for global warming, of course. John Kerry is another wonderful example of a person that needs to be indicted. Um, but isn't. And the Clintons and the, you know, all, all that, the Bidens, all these people, they've all broken the law and they've broken it so many times. So there's so much evidence that, um, you, you know, they could, they could, you know, on one scintilla of evidence, they could uh, convict them for life in prison. So, you know, so when's that going to happen? Why didn't Trump do anything when he had the chance? And the reason it's not going to happen right now, you know it and I know it, and we're all caught in this position, is they got the guns, they got the army, and then, you know, Biden laughs. He goes, what are you going to attack me with? If you don't have some nukes and a couple of F-16s, you're not going to uh, attack me at all. what, What can you do if you don't have a military? That's what Biden said to us. And ever since he said that, we've been sitting on our hands talking about how we're winning because we're awakening. That is not true. 
You see, those are the kinds of things people say when they're, when they're getting money from you to keep you whipped up, to keep you uh, positive, to keep you uh, on the team, so to speak, so you'll open your wallet. Let, let's just have the bottom line. Unless there are movements and legal movements and military movements in the favor of people, uh, the people are going to be killed and, and what's left enslaved. You know, I mean, overtly enslaved. Not We're enslaved now, but I mean, overtly to the point where you have no movement. And um, you don't have much more time to wait, like a maximum a year. You know, there'll be a shock before then, though. You can feel it. There's there's going to be a shock. You know, they're already trying to do it with a heat, the heat uh, index, you know, by using harp to warm up the atmosphere and all that. And, and uh, you know, they can do that. They're, they're conducting weather wars 24-7 on Americans. And I'd say, let's arrest the people doing the weather wars. Nah. Let's arrest the people that Dane Whittington has on his list. Nah. Let's go arrest the people up at Harp and, and shut it down. Nah. Well, then what do you want to do? I just want to listen to the podcast and, and, and feel like and buy a T-shirt. Really? Is that what you're going to do for the cause? It would be better if you bought no T-shirt. If you did nothing in that regard. You know, wearing a t-shirt and being an American are two different things. If we're Americans, we don't tolerate this uh, taking of the freedom and the uh, locking us down. I mean, we're, we're literally locked down right now. Literally. If anybody tried to do anything that they didn't like, they'd be amassing at your door. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, we've tried, you know, and the people that think that they're going to get, you know, that they're going to make it back, the people that are are really anti-population and really want to reduce the population, they're very serious about getting rid of, you know, a masses of the population in the next few years before 2030 at least. And they're very serious about having, you know, confiscating farms and, you know, having shortages of eggs, and you know, all the things they've been doing, blowing up uh, processing plants. Transpo, I ordered some groceries from uh, a company that I dealt with online, and the last two orders were damaged in transit and couldn't be delivered. And all they had to do was drive here from San Antonio to Santa Fe. That's it. And they couldn't get that far. And the management, I let them know about it. They gave me a refund, of course, but they... They were horrified. They're like, well, how can that, how can it be damaged? It's just right there. And God damn it, somebody, you know, the transportation lines are messed up. You know, and, and uh, can't go on much longer this way. So the, this is the handiwork of the rich, of the super wealthy. You know, I mentioned... Uh, George Soros to uh, some some bankers that I know. And they just about cream themselves talking about how great he is. 
Does that give you any idea? Don't you think those bankers are awake? They're just on the... See, they're all awake. They're just not on your side. That, that, that's what you have to come to accept. They're all awake. You want me to go downtown to Santa Fe and poke a few people in the chest and go, hey, you awake, mister? Hey, mister, you awake? Boom, poke, poke, poke. Huh? You still alive in there? What do you know? <laughs> I can't say. <laughs> Get away from me. Don't touch me. I'm not going to touch you. I don't think anything could touch you. I think you could be run over by a Mack truck and still not be touched. All right. Uh, I got to get back to work. So God bless you, each and every one. You guys have hung in there. The, the word of the day is to keep going, to persevere. And if we ever get that opportunity to fight back, which is, is doubtful, they're already celebrating their victory. Um, but if we ever do get that, uh, you know, I know that, that, that most people, if they, you know, this, this thing hit us and we were deceived and we thought we were strong. We thought we had the military behind us. We thought we had voting. We thought we had a lot of things, didn't we, a few years ago? Turns out we had nothing, that everybody is a traitor. They all sold us out. And I'm sorry, but we're all awake. It's whether we want to be active. Now, I'm not, a, I, I think people on podcasts should say everything. Say everything that you can say. It's to talk like uh, about stuff, you know, talk about, uh, you know, like, like what went down on the internet when everything got divided between different Christians and everyone was throwing mud at each other, being real Christian like. Let's talk about that. Why did that happen? Huh? With all these good Christians, what happened? With all these good patriots, what happened? Why is everybody suddenly an agent? Suddenly a CIA guy? Why is everybody tainted? Why is everybody bad? Why are there groups you can't get into? Why do you have to bow down? Why is it a copy of the world? Why? Let's talk about that. Maybe that'll lead to a healing. Or we could talk about um, the U.S. military guarding the voting uh, process. I wouldn't be surprised if they have the National Guard and everybody else, uh, the voting process, and, you know, they have this whole emergency going and that, you know, you have to, like, show ID to people. You know, they, 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 no one's allowed to look at the tabulation um, unless they get a uh, court order that that, uh, that, that, that Whitner, that, that all, the commie from uh, Michigan. You Michigan people are, you know, completely, utterly self-destructive, you know that, and stupid. Stupid Michigan. Dumb Michigan. Here you've got Gretchen Whitmer passing a law that you're not supposed to look at the ballots unless you have a court order. That the ballots is not an open and free process. And she's getting it through. And you guys are going to go ahead and pass it. I mean, so where is Michigan? Michigan's not there. There is no Michigan. They all want slavery. The majority wants to be enslaved, and Gretchen Whitmer is all too happy to do that. And they, they, you know, their big hero now is Gavin Newsom. 
who locked down California and even had the sheriff going out on the beach. Like, if you try to get out on the beach on a sunny day, the sheriffs would come out and arrest you. Gavin Newsom, wherever he saw people trying to have a little fun or do anything, he'd arrest them. Meanwhile, he's out at uh, the French Laundry restaurant, you know, $500 a plate minimum, uh, just having it up with his buddies, laughing at everybody that he's uh, destroying. You know, he was the one that took the water and put it out into the ocean rather than in the farmland. And then he said, we have no water here. We have to take precautions. This is what they do. This guy should not be allowed to lead anything. He should be arrested right now. Uh, He should be held without bail, without charges for the rest of his life. But it's not going to happen. People don't have the nerve. People are worried about their 401k. If we just play the game. But if Newsom gets in the White House and beats Trump, I'm assuming it's Trump. I mean, I don't know. But that would be, that would mean that it's fast-track communism and slavery, fast-track depopulation, Fast-track benefits for all the illegals coming in. Fast-track, uh, uh, if you're a you know, white male or anything else, part of the, uh, the useless eater uh, confederation that's here in America, don't go to the hospital because they, <laughs> they got a mandate for you. Yeah, 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 oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. I don't know. I think we got in this position because we were, I guess you could just say we were, complacent and selfish. Nobody took anyone seriously. I've been warning for 10 years and nobody took me seriously. You know why? Because they already knew that they had joined the other side. So they're not going to listen. I mean, they laughed at me and they said, you know, well, who gave you permission to go make a film? And then they would laugh. Like, everybody has to be in the club and get permission or you can't do anything. Well, if that's L.A., then that means it's the pedophile capital of the world. Right? Los Angeles Harbor? Oh, yeah. Okay. So that means Gunderson wasn't exactly being truthful about everything. So, you know, we can go on and on and on with this. But until we get some honesty from the people that are supposed to be the whistleblowers, which we don't have, um, we're all going to be at each other's throats. And when that happens, you know, the country goes. Will there be some wolverines after the overt takeover by China by 2033 or whatever it is, right? When they fly in here and just lock down the cities. Will there be a wolverine? Nope, the wolverine is, is, is a, a confabulation of one John Milius. His hope for little tribe of, uh, you know, mercenaries trying to get their country back, the Wolverines, after being successfully invaded by, you know, North Korea or whatever, whatever it is, South America, whatever. Um, Red Dawn, a great film. And uh, Amelia is a great writer, and his, his daughter is also out there with the documentaries, you know, pretty much 
trying to wake people up and I like to say to her, hey, listen, uh, sister, uh, way to go, great, all that, but they're all awake. You, next time for phase two. So what is phase two, documentarians? Hmm? Are you docu guys? What's phase two? I'll just leave it on that. God bless. I'm, I try. What was this? Oh,